Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Hey, welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. And I'm here, Matt Browning. Uh, we are cranking along and, you know, the, the world is becoming better and better, I think, each and every day because we're all have been doing our part. And with me today are two entrepreneurs, two phenomenal people, a couple that I've been really wanting to talk to for quite some time. Um, I first met Mark Victor Hansen well over 10 years ago when I was starting off my entrepreneurial journey. I asked him about a potential book title. And I said, what do you think about this book title? And he said, that's a terrible book title. I don't know what it means. And I said, thank you, sir. And I never published that book. I, fin I never even finished writing it. Of course, I'm talking about Mark Victor Hansen. Uh, he is the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, hundreds of millions of copies. You've seen him on Oprah and every other media outlet in the entire world. Um, that is a pretty, pretty simple thing. If you've all heard of Chicken Soup for the Soul, his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, is also, of course, with us right now. And she's an entrepreneur, life coach, wellness nutrition expert, uh, who does a bunch of personal coaching, speaking, has video programs. She is a, a global traveler as well and doing all the same level of work. It's cool to see these two come into play together. But without any further ado, I know you're sitting there ready to rock. Uh, Mark and Crystal, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank, Thank you. you. Great. We're so happy to be here, Matt. Sorry, I told you your title sucks. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. It was a terrible title. It was a terrible title. I don't remember what it was about, but I think it was one of these things where I thought, you know, here's what I'm going to write about. And I had no idea about marketing or funnels or names or titles or anything. So thank you for being one of those guys. <laughs> I, I, I always tell the truth. And sometimes it's, uh, they say you have humor Tourette's because it's funny <laughs> retrospectively. <laughs> It is. I was devastated. I cried that night in my hotel room for three days straight. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and you still let us on your show. This is wonderful. You know, and, 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 and that's why, you know, my mom says I have a face for radio and that's why we're doing this. Um, but the two of oh, you're a handsome guy. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. So let, I want to get to you two as well. Um, obviously when, uh, in first, I guess for Mark, when, when you started off, you know, ages ago and, Obviously, we got to talk about chicken soup for the soul for a second. That was, um, you know, this viral idea before viral ideas. Can you just tell me a little bit about just the genesis of the idea initially? Where were you? Where were you guys along with Jack Canfield? What happened when that idea first sort of came up? And who knew and how did you know it was going to be any good? What happened is I'm a professional speaker and so is Jack. And Jack came to one of my seminars. We both had this seminar with 6,000 people during the day. 
Mandala Foundation, and I was telling these great, heart-touching, soul-penetrating stories. He said, wow, I've never seen anyone sell so many books and tapes from a platform as you just did. I want you to teach me. So I taught him, and he wrote the 65 stories, and we sat down together and said, we got to do a book. And then we said we'd do it, and 144 publishers all actually said, hit the road, Jack. And I said, look, it's okay if you don't like him, but I am a nice guy. <laughs> actually, Jack's great. And, uh, you know, then we finally got a little publisher to take it. If we'd sell 20000 at $6 each, and we had pre-orders for that because we were both speaking to about a quarter million people a year, so it worked. And we knew the book would work because we'd always got standing ovations and everyone, wherever we went, whether it was a military, whether it was a church, whether it was a university or just a business crowd, they always said, do you have that story in a book? We said, whoa, you know, turn on the lights. God's telling you, you better be doing this as a book. And, and we knew the soul of America was in deep trouble and, uh, it has been sort of chicken soup is what your mom and grandma gave you when you were sick to get well. And so now it not only solved that, but it solved it for the world. And we sold a half billion books. Half a billion. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at that in, in my research here. The, it's now the title's gotten up to 500 million, which is just absurd. Um, but I, I think that makes perfect sense. Cause when you're up there telling good stories, everybody relates to a story. Everybody wants a story. Um, and your stories have continued on when, when that starts taking off, and you're now, can you tell me just briefly a little bit about the business backside of that? So obviously you have many different co-authors and as the title and as that, it, was it, would it be a franchise? Was it licensed? How did that expand and grow initially? Just kind of, you know, so we can understand if it's something worth pursuing. Well, first of all, <laughs> I, I'm the goal setter and the business sales marketing guy. So I love, you know, purpose-driven entrepreneurship that you teach. And, and what happened is I wrote down that we'd sell a million and a half in a year and a half, and we did. And then I wrote down we'd sell five million, and we did. And then I said 10 million, and we did. And then I wrote down 15 million, and we did the next four years in a row. And then it, it, it exploded. And when we were doing it, uh, we happened to be with a guy whose uh, daughter ran, the head of Time Warner said, Look, my daughter runs Nickelodeon. I think you ought to do one for teenage. So we tested it literally on 12,000 kids. We gave 250 stories that Jack and Mark thought were excellent tens, and they all came back and said, "No, no, no, those don't work, and these do." And and so we came out and we sold 19 million, our third book out. It was just nobody's uh, touched that on one book in That's one crazy. year that I know of. And and we think we're going to do that with this new book called "Ask: The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny." And we think, like I had that destiny of selling all those books, we now have a destiny of getting people to learn to ask. It is a spiritual term. But, you know, it says, ask and you shall receive, obviously, but no one knows how to do it. And, and we think we have professionalized that, made it a science, and art, and a philosophy of how to master the fine art of asking. When you've certainly been able to, over the course of your career, been able to ask, and you're asking through goals. I remember you talking about at one point, uh, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yep. If you still talk about that, but that sounds like the million and a half and five million sales and so forth. So you know how to ask. How much is goal setting tied into asking? And do you have your own uh, approach to goal setting versus maybe what the normal approach might be? I differ from almost every other teacher. They all said you had to have one goal and be monomaniacally focused. And it does work yeah. at one level. But I also believe you ought to have 101 goals because different goals have different gestation rates. And, you know, we've been coming out of a, a withhold in America that, you know, some people have been in a, a lockdown. And what happens is now we're opening up. And what Chris and I are saying, 
is each and every one of us got to open up to their full potential by asking questions that'll make your mind pop and illuminate and reveal and discover and the find the infinite ingenuity of our infinite intelligence and our infinite inner God-given wisdom. And Crystal, just to, to pop back in here, because you're sitting so patiently, so wonderfully, I'm sure you're, <laughs> you're ready to jump in. I love it when, when my wife and I are teaching the same platform. She's always so lovely, so graceful, and so patient with me. And then I forget, like, oh my gosh, I need to shut up so you can show oh. your brilliance. <laughs> That's how I feel sometimes. No, I love all of it. It's great. It's all good stuff, right? Yeah. Now, Crystal, when... Uh, when you started into your health and wellness work and, you know, writing your books and creating your programs, is this something that you were just cranking along and doing? And then when you and Mark connect up and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, we're so similar in this engine of like creation. Or was it a lot of joint effort together? Who's influencing whom, I guess, is my question. Well, actually, no, I was deep into it. I was a transformational, transformational life coach, clinical hypnotherapist, running my practice when I met him. And actually... It was funny because I was just writing my first book, Pure Thoughts for Pure Results. And my mother sent me to a seminar. You know, she got an email and said, you know, there's this author 101 seminar. You need to go. There's going to be publishers and publicists. And Mark, fix your hands and I'll be there. And I was like, okay, mom. I, and then I looked at the day. I was like, this is the day after tomorrow. I'm sure it's sold out. I, you know, and I was trying to get out of it. And uh, she said, go, go, you know, I'll watch your kids. I was newly divorced. He'd been divorced for three years. And, uh, we connected. What happened is I was at the VIP event afterwards and uh, I was not even drinking. I'm like, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm here to, you know, tell my, toot my horn, talk about my business because I was having such amazing success with my clients. And I, that's why I wrote the book because people can transform so quickly when you get into start doing this mind excavation that I do this process. And this is the book Skinny Life, right? The secret. Uh, that, that book was Pure Thoughts for Pure Results. That was my first book. And I'm redoing that. I, I, I'm actually rewriting that book. Um, so it's not available right this minute. I took it down. But anyhow. Um, that guys? Gotta have scarcity. The book is not available, but. Not available. Coming soon. But edition number two is coming. <laughs> That's right. So it was funny because ironically, I'm not drinking. I'm talking to a speaking coach and Mark's like across the room surrounded by an entourage of people. And a woman waxed a glass of red wine all over my white pants. And Mark must have been looking my way because all of a sudden he breaks out of his crowd and he comes over and he grabs my hand and says, I know where the club soda is. Follow me. (laughs) 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 So we walk out of the room and we just start. I know where the club soda is. (laughs) That works. Yeah, I could come up with. My pants are soaked with red wine, my white pants. So it was an amazing moment though. Talk about kind of a destiny thing. I really think God wanted us to find each other. I know it. We both know it. My mom just being so insistent upon me going to this thing and I'm there and someone spills wine that I'm not even drinking on me. He comes over, we step out of the room and he says, what are you doing? I start talking about my work and he said, there's something about you. The work you're doing is so important. And I feel like you have the qualities to be an amazing leader for women. Could we talk more, but I'm starving do you want to go have dinner? And I said, I'm starving too. I haven't eaten either. So he said, let's go off property to a restaurant so that we're not mobbed by a bunch of people so that we can really talk. And as we started talking, it was kind of like we'd known each other forever. We had so much of the way we looked at the world and life. So it was just sort of this merging of ideas and thoughts and awareness that was really uncanny for for both of us. Can I just do the restaurant part? (laughs) 
Yeah, I'd love to hear that. So we arrive at this restaurant. It's a Hollywood restaurant. It's thronged with people waiting, and a hundred dollar bill won't get you in. So, Wait, and, and have you have you already sorry have you already done the club soda at this point? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Club soda is over. She oh said, yeah, I had to and, run upstairs calling mom. Hey mom, how are the kids? I'm changing my clothes, and I said, I, I need new pants, quick. Yeah, I need, I need new pants. I call her. I said, I'm just checking out the kids, but I have to go. I said, uh, you won't believe it. I'm going to dinner with Mark Victor Hansen. She goes, I knew it. I, like, I told you to go to that seminar. She goes, I knew it. I was like, I, get you know I, I, love mom I didn't know it. So now fast okay. forward the, to the restaurant. So, so we're at the restaurant. the restaurant. I'm not going to get in with a hundred dollar bill. So we just go to the counter and he looks at her and he sees this ravishing beauty and <laughs> says, okay, who is she? And what he's thinking is she's a movie star and I'm just not, well, I said, and I'm a salesman. So I said, you don't recognize her? <laughs> now the guy's in a quandary. Good question. What's he Talk do? about questions. Talk about questions and asking the right thing. He says, okay, who is she? Now, we're both Danish, so I say, well, she's a queen of Denmark. Oh, my gosh. He says, she's not. He says, oh, my gosh, she is. Who are you? I said, who travels with the queen? He said, oh, my God, you're the king. And we're in like that. It was just... <laughs> <laughs> so you really got in as the king and queen of Denmark. Not only that, we had the, the, the head chef comes out with his little Hans tooth pants, and I'm so indefatigably falling in love with her, I couldn't see him, but... You know, he offered us, let me tell you, have you test this, this, this. I said, yeah, yeah, go, go, go. You know, he didn't care. All I want to do is be with her. And, and uh, it was literally a Vulcan mind melt. Yeah. Listen, guess which line is going to go in the show notes to get people to listen to this. Find out how <laughs> the king and queen of which country did they pretend to be. I love that. That's, I love that. <laughs> That's good. We look forward to hearing that on the show. And it was just a joke. Like, it was just a joke. And I'm laughing. And I'm like, all of a sudden, it just, the guy's like, oh, oh, hold on a minute. And, and like we weren't going to take it back after that. We're like, okay, this is kind of fun. <laughs> well, you know, let, and let's pivot off that almost in a serious tone too, because I think there's, there's something to how people perceive you and certainly how you perceive yourself right. when it comes to asking, yep. what would you say to someone who doesn't ask for what they maybe want, deserve or worth, however you want to take the conversation. But, you know, I think a lot of people don't ask not because they don't know how, but because, of some other reason, because they don't think people see them as a king and queen of Denmark. Right. How do you, how do you shift that perception or what do you see as kind of the, the common problems there? Well, we, we, in the book, we talk about that very thing because asking as simple as it sounds, it's a simple gift that we all have inside if we can nurture and foster it, but it's one of the hardest things for people to do. It is it something is. we need to learn and practice. And we talk about, we call it the seven roadblocks to asking. And it's, you know, unworthiness, naivete, pattern paralysis, excuses, fear, um, disconnection. There are all of these things that hold us back. And we, we give very specific stories and journeys of people who have suffered those situations that are very relatable to all of us because we all have these fears. But the funny thing is, in doing our research, because we did a lot of research for this book, Matt, and science shows us, Harvard did this big study, that when you are a good asker of questions, when you're curious, when you are with someone, when you ask a lot of questions, you are actually perceived by the person with whom you're talking to as being more likable. And, mm. but interestingly enough, in the study, the, the opinion of the person going into it was that it was the opposite, that you would be perceived as not being likable. You would be perceived, we think we're going to be perceived as being you know, ignorant, uninformed, stupid, clueless, nosy, pushy, all of those things. And it's exactly the opposite. So these studies are so important to understand because 
it literally makes us more likable. And even in a dating situation, people who were asked more questions were more curious, actually were found to get a second date more than those who asked fewer questions. I got a second date. <laughs> and how many questions did you ask? A lot, a lot, believe me. <laughs> and what, what a fascinating concept, because I've never broken down that, that kind of psychology of the desire to ask, not just for ask for things that you need or want, but to ask questions, the inquisitive nature of things. And, you know, having done this radio show for a number of years now, and I don't know how many episodes in, it's like I started off in the beginning thinking, well, I was kind of an expert and a teacher. And I thought, well, I have to have all the answers. And over time, I've learned, of course, as you may have, that I've, I have a lot less answers and I have a lot more questions. And all I want to do is just get into things and find out and, and ask. And the more I do, it seems to be uh, the better the conversation goes. You know, um, what kind of people, do you ask questions around everyone you're with? Like, say, and this might sound off, but hear my heart on this, like someone with a higher status or a lower status or a colleague status of yours, do you find that you ask different amounts of questions based on who the person seems to be with you? Or are you pretty much always the same inquisitive, the same question amount, no matter who you're with? We think everyone's got to master the fine art of asking. And we're saying, look, you got to ask three things. Ask yourself, ask others, and then ask God. And the ask God is so simple because you're into it. You know, we're saying most people don't get clear on what their destiny is. And, and I think everyone intrinsic, we think everyone has intrinsically a destiny that they're ordained to do, but you got to ask yourself, what is my right livelihood? What am I supposed to do? And when I was bankrupt and upside down in 1974, I wanted to be a professional speaker. So I asked myself, how do I do that? I had four roommates in Hicksville, Long Island, New York, went to breakfast early in the morning. I'm a young 20 something. And I said, anyone know a young professional speaker that's not a cotton top, white haired person, not a lawyer, not a celebrity, not a doctor, and maybe not famous. And they said, yeah, yeah, there's a guy a few years older than you, Chip Collins, doing it. Why don't you go out? And I raced my little beat-up Volkswagen out there to Hawk Hog, Long Island, New York. I'm wowed by this guy. And I asked him unending questions. And he yeah. said, yep, your chance you making it as a speaker is one in a thousand. But I'll tell you the four questions they ask. These are the questions they ask. Do the life insurance business. It's a bottomless pit for motivation. I'm going on vacation for two weeks. I'll be back in two weeks but I'll bet you'll be out of business. Well, in two weeks, I had 28 talks. In the first year, Tony Robbins and I have talked about this. We're the only guys ever that did over a thousand talks a year for the first three years. I'd do one at six in the morning, one at 10, one at two, one at, one at eight at night. And in between, I'd be selling seminars to other little insurance offices and racing around uh, all the boroughs of New York. Luckily, there are 18 million people, so I could never run out. I guess you a question about that then uh, on the motivation of this. So, you know, you hear someone like yourself or Tony Robbins and um, talking about like that deep motivation that was just like, I was so driven and you went and, and went after it and go for it. I find motivation very, very interesting. Is there something that flipped in you that one day you, you said, you know what, I got to figure this thing out. Or did you grow up that way? Like what was childhood like? Were you, were you motivated early on to succeed and figure things out? Or was it something that switched kind of somewhere later in life? Both of us were deeply motivated young. My parents were wonderful Danish immigrants, and dad had a little Danish bakery, one my brother's Clean, clean obviously. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I, I still love pastry. I'm, I'm an <laughs> addict. It's not good for my body, but I sure love it. Anyhow, I wanted a bicycle. <laughs> he couldn't afford it. And I asked endlessly, and I finally said, can I have it if I earn it myself? Because he believed free enterprise was more enterprising you are, the freer you are. 
never thinking I could turn around today, it would be like a $4,000 bicycle. But I had a picture on the wall because we teach to really ask. You got to have a belief, you got to have action, you got to visualize it, and then you got to be prayed up, so to speak. And I had the little thing, I, was, I saw myself riding this racing bicycle, cost then $175. I'm reading Boy Scout Life magazine. It says you can sell them on consignment. I look it up in Webster's Dictionary. I go, wow, <laughs> they give it to me. I sell it. I can afford to do that. Sell it and then buy it. What a heck of an idea. A great <laughs> entrepreneurial idea. Because most people buy it, sell it, anyhow. So that, it, it seemed backwards, but it worked. And I sold 376 box Christmas cards in one month going up to the neighbor saying, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box of Christmas cards or two? And most of the ladies are two. And how old are you at this point? You're like 10 or what age? Nine years old. And my dad took half that money and put it in my college fund, which I never realized would be really good because I had to pay my own way to college. So it was really a good idea on dad's part. So this was just, as a kid, it was like, I really, I really want something. And then your dad said, I'm not going to give it to you, but if you earn it, you can. And then you ran with it. Let me do the flip switch. The first part of the question you asked, I think Crystal will answer it the same way, is our parents motivated us, but what happens is if you really know what you want, you get tuned in, turned on, and you build up white hot desire. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and what was it like for you, Crystal, growing up? Did you have a similar sort of thing, or how did your parents treat enterprise and desire and goals and everything? Right. So I came from a family of nine children, same two parents. So it was a very interesting socialization. You know, you really had to stand up to be heard and and ask for what you wanted. So it really fostered sort of that um, boldness, if you will, and understanding that you really need to be the master of your own destiny, step up there to get what you want. So I think for me, my asking journey was really about, um, you know, when I had challenges in life, just working through those challenges, I... Uh, I happened to be, school was very easy for me. I got it straight A's and I graduated when I was 16 years old from high school. But I married this guy that was five years older than I. And, you know, two and a half years later, I'm on, in a new city by myself with a baby on my hip and no way of supporting myself. And so I remembered, you know, I applied for food stamps and I went to the grocery store. And in that moment where I stood there, um, it was like time slowed down for me as I was handing those uh, food stamps over. I thought, how did I get here? I mean, this question just mm. fell into my mind and it was like a spotlight on myself. I asked that question, how did I get here? And am I doing everything I can to get out of this or am I taking the easy way out? And as I asked that question, I knew the answer immediately. And literally as I was turning over these food stamps to this woman, I remember looking at her and thinking to myself, this will not be my future. I will never apply for food stamps again, ever. And I never did. So I went home and I asked myself some more questions. I'm like, okay, how do I get a job as fast as possible? And I saw, I I started looking and I saw, oh, there are these temporary service agencies. You can get a job immediately. I could work tomorrow. So I registered with one Kelly girls. And then I realized there were more than one. And I thought, well, if I register with more than I have even more choices. So I registered with three of them. So I had all these, you know, they you register, they call you up, there's this job, this job, do you want? And I started working in attorney's offices and setting up, you know, displays at malls and doing all these different things. And I realized I started learning about something about myself that I had an aptitude for business and, and working with people and selling and doing all the different things I did. And I loved it. So that led to me asking, well, what do I really want to do next? And I like real estate. I love homes. And so I took, I got my real estate license, you know, went back to to real estate school, got my real estate license. And um, within a year and a half of those 
you know, me being basically out of options on food stamps, I was working for the top home builder of our, in our Valley. And I became the number one salesperson. And I also had, uh, hit up some modeling agencies because a couple of people said, Oh, you should model. So I asked, um, you know, and I got signed with the biggest modeling agency and I did some national television commercials, which were paying, you know, great. And, uh, got screen actors guild benefits for me and my little guy. So everything turned around. And I often thought about that after like those pivotal questions, like sometimes when you're in those situations, it's very easy to want to just cave in, cave into your misery and your pain and your hopelessness. But if you just stop and challenge yourself with some questions, ask yourself, what could I be doing differently? Am I really tapping into my, my own resources. And it is, it is so life-changing, those, those self-questions, you know, and that's why Mark and I broke it down into the three categories. We realized each one is equally important, the channels through which you ask. Ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And often the ask God is, comes first because really getting touched with, for us, you know, it, it sort of revectors our entire thinking and focus when we say, you know, what is my higher purpose here? I mean, this is, this is your kingdom. We didn't, this is the kingdom of the creator, the creator, you know, ever all of creation. How, what is my role in creation in this world, in this earth? What is my kingdom purpose? It really puts uh, your own personal life into perspective and certainly your own yeah. personal desires and, yes. and goals, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And from there, you can really start asking yourself those questions. What am I good at? I mean, we have so many amazing questions through so many amazing stories and journeys. We interviewed 26 people for this book and uh, the master askers. We, we did ordinary people, some of the most extraordinary billionaires in the world. So some really amazing stories. And I mean, we took the billionaires back to childhood, you know, all these people, what, what was your childhood like? And there's so much wisdom there. And in every one of these stories, their asking journey is so profoundly um, revelatory. revelatory for for someone, you know, reading this book and really taking this in. So we're just super excited about it. And, and you, and you should be, I'm excited. Again, the book is ask it's coming out April 28th. So it should be live right now. Just listen to this. Let's go out to Amazon, wherever you get books, you can get ask um, by the Hansons. Now, when, when you interviewed these different askers, you call them master askers. Did you have a, um, a certain criteria of like, how would you qualify a master asker? Uh, I'm assuming you probably hit different areas of success, but were there, I don't know, you, you talked about some of the Harvard studies. What were some of your quantifiable ways to decide who's going to be in the book and who's not? Or did you just think to yourself, man, who really, really knows how to ask and you went after them? What was the process of finding the people for the stories? Well, we knew a couple of them and we started with a couple and then all of a sudden it just, it bloomed to 26. We'd already written a book and then we thought, oh my gosh, these stories are too good not to do. For example, a guy named Jim Stovall has a phenomenal story. He was going to be an NFL superstar. He's 19 years old. They finally recruit him. They go do the meds and the medical doctor says, I'm sorry, kid, but in six months, you're going to be totally, absolutely, completely, permanently blind for the rest of your life. Whoa. And yeah. Now his life's been crushed like some of the people watching this, and he's in a nine by 12 self-incarcerated room with a radio, a television, and a telephone. He's feeling trashed. And what he decides to do is he says, oh my gosh, I can't stand it here. And his parents said, well, why don't you go to a blind meeting? He goes to a blind meeting, and he's sitting next to a blind stenographer for a law firm 
And he said, you know, I used to love watching thrillers and I'd watch the people send a left hook. Somebody ought to do something about that. And she says, why? And he said, well, what do you mean, why? And he says, well, why can't we do something about that? That was a pivotal question in his life. So they started something that sighted people don't even know about. It's called Narrative Television for the Blind. 14 million people around the world watch when somebody throws a right hook because blind people want to watch TV. They want to watch movies. They want to understand what's happening. And they couldn't. So I get introduced to him by Charlie Tremendous Jones, a great speaker. Yes. He says, hey, you got to write the endorsement to this guy's book. And I said, Charlie, I'm selling 15 million books a year. I can hardly breathe, much less do that. And I, I love my life. He said, this book's going to change your life, sort of like Ask will change your life. And so he sends me the book. I read it. I am absolutely wild. I write the forward and the endorsement and say, this book should be a movie. I've never met this guy except by telephone, this blind man who I love, and he's pure wisdom. And uh, he made it into a movie. It's called The Ultimate Life. He made $100 million on the movie. And the last line after we interviewed him is he said, I now write books that I can't read. Wow. And I make movies that I can't watch. All because of asking. And what we're saying is, this is an asking journey. And each one of us has got to master it. And, and here's a guy who has everything going against him. I mean, if you go, 87% of your brain is, is visual. You know, now suddenly Jim can't see. And yet he is... He has taken his adversity and turned it into an advantage, sort of like Joseph in many color coat, you know, hung out a long time, finally becomes second in command, right? To the yeah, fall in the pit was the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. Right. And those really uh, pivotal paradigm changes happen again and again in life. If you're asking questions, it's always the question that precipitates the solution, the understanding, the answers that will take you forward. And that's why we call it the subtitle is The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny, because we all have these dreams in our hearts, these things that we know are out there for us. We know we have a destiny out there, but how do we get from our dreams to our destiny? Start asking. Start asking the questions, and you will see that step by step, you'll have the next answer, the next solution, the next idea, um, and you will move very quickly across your, across your bridge toward that destiny. It's, it's really an amazing process. Very, very good. Guys, thank you so much for just, I mean, sharing the, the wisdom and sharing your stories and yourselves with us. Um, everyone, the book is Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. It's available on Amazon now, wherever your uh, books are sold. You can find Ask the Bridge to your Dream from Your Dreams to Your Destiny um, by Mark Victor Hansen and Crystal Dwyer Hansen. Uh, the Hansons, thank you so much for coming on. Final kind of questions, we wrap up our time right here. Um, Along this way, and you know, let, let me keep it this way. In the last few years on the bridge to doing this book, is there anything that you would change now that it's here and now that you've finalized things or would you leave it all the same? Finalized, you mean specifically for the book? Yeah, let's say just in the last, you know what? No, that's just terrible. That's a terrible question. I want to know about your life. Is there anything you would change in your life or would you leave it all the same? Uh, I would not change anything because we're indefatigably in love and, and, it's good if you find your soulmate, but I think we've found each other's twin flame. Like you've seen here, we can finish each other's thinking questions. We, and we're together 24 seven, which <laughs> the, the big question we get asked all the time, Matt, is how do you guys stand each other? <laughs> but we're, as you can see, we're both smiling, we're happy, we're healthy, we exercise together, we do, you know, it, we're happy. And we got five kids in our blended family and six grandkids that we love, respect, admire, and adore, and are doing phenomenal stuff. I got to, my heart just is so warm to how good our life is. Yeah. 
I love that, Mark and Crystal. Well, I same, you know, um, all of the adversity I've, I've experienced, every every bad thing, every great thing, it has made me who I am. And I don't think, you know, to second guess your life, like you would be a very different person. I'm I'm so thankful for for all all the wisdom that I've gained, the experiences, the people. I'm thankful for being where I am today. So I wouldn't change anything because it all, you know, has made me who I am and and brought me great gifts, you know, even the tough times. So phenomenal answers. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Mr. And Mrs. Hansen. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Hey guys, that's the show for today. So again, Mark Victor Hansen, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, uh, the co-authors of the book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny is available now. Make sure you pick it up, check it out. And then follow Mark Victor Hansen on Facebook and Crystal Dwyer Hansen on Facebook as well. They both have great pages, great content coming out. Check out all that stuff. Get out there this weekend, continue doing what you're doing. If you're staying in, if you're going out, whatever it is, just continue to crush it, stay driven, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 